The sounds of a roulette ball deciding the fate of a table as it finds its final resting spot. Or at the craps table where you're hoping to be on the right side of the dice roll. Or it may be the slowdown of the counters in a slot machine to determine if three in a row will make it your day. A clean jackpot. 40 million people visit Vegas every year. Despite knowing the age-old saying, the house always wins. But now in India, where gambling is still illegal and gaming companies and governments are battling it out, there is a thriving betting bonanza in the derivative market. Once designed as a hedge to the cash market, the options market is now flooded with fastest finger-first traders who are all on average below 30 years old. So much so that the derivative market volumes are now 400 times that of the cash equity and 900 times of delivery-based trading volumes. With index options now accounting for over 95% of the volumes, New Age brokerages are laughing all the way to the bank with rising profits, even as 90% of the traders are losing money in this gamble. So what is aiding this gamification of equities? We speak to Ashish Gupta of Axis Mutual Fund, who coined the phrase. This is more gamification rather than investing. One of the reasons why market has grown at this pace uh, just in the last two years is we have made it easier and cheaper for people to come in. If you look at uh, online fantasy games, the average age there is also 28-29 years. We also speak to a seasoned options trader who chose to remain anonymous. I call myself a trader. For the last 10 years, it's been mostly an options trader. It's just mind-boggling how the market has changed in the last 3-4 years and I shudder to imagine if there is a credit event, something big happens, how this market and how brokers will survive in this kind of a volume. There have been years where I've lost money, there have been years where I've made money. All I can say is that I'm still standing. The market has kicked me out a few times but I'm still there. Well, the big questions, is discount broking the devil in disguise? Have shorter contracts pushed debutante investors into the thrill of trading versus mundane wealth building? And what is the leverage risk that the market is missing to acknowledge? And why is it that the regulator who sounded an alarm earlier this year is continuing to watch this from the sidelines? It's November 14th from The Economic Times. I'm your host Anupriya Nair. And you're listening to India's surge in Satta, how cheap options can turn very costly. So before we kickstart, here's Options 101, the beginner's guide. As the name suggests, a derivative is a financial contract whose value is derived from the value of another asset commonly called the underlying. The objective of the use of derivatives is to speculate on the future price of that asset or to hedge against the risk of it. Futures and options were introduced in 1973 in developed markets to basically hedge against the risk for commodities, to provide a sort of term insurance against the actual deliverable contract. But this concept soon expanded into the equity markets as well. In the cash market, the buyer purchases an asset at the current price, becoming the owner by paying the full amount. In a future contract, a buyer agrees to purchase an asset at a specific value at a future date. 
However, in an options contract, a buyer locks a specific price at which he or she will buy or sell the asset by paying a small premium. But as the name suggests, the person is not obligated. It is an option. So how does that work? Suppose the Nifty is quoting around 20,000 points today. If you're bullish about the market and foresee this going to say 20,100 mark within say the next week, you may buy a one-week Nifty call option at 20,100. How do you buy this? Well, you look at the call and the premium might be about 3 rupees a share. Since the current contract or the lot size of the Nifty is determined at 50 units, all you'll have to pay for two lots is 300 rupees. If the index remains below the 20,100 points for the whole week and your notion of philosophy of the market going up is negated, you have no obligation to actually purchase the actual Nifty contract. You could simply ignore the contract. So all you have lost at this point is a premium of about 300 rupees. But if it does go up, the premium starts to shoot up, especially closer to the weekly expiry day or called the zero day. And so does the premium that one would pay for that contract, which means your loss was limited 300 rupees, but the money you could make could be multifold. But that is just in theory. A report by the market regulator earlier this year stated that 90% of traders lost money when trading in the FNO segment. And yet, the betting continues and how? NSE, which kickstarted FNO trading just two decades ago, is now the world's largest derivative exchange. Trading volumes in derivatives are now $4.3 trillion per day. In most cases, traders are holding these positions for less than 30 minutes and almost all are just punting on the index. What is aiding and abetting this gamification of equities? We turn to the man who coined this term, Ashish Gupta, CIO of Access Mutual Fund. Welcome on your debut on The Morning Brief. Hi, Anupya. Glad to be here. You know, I'm just going to ask you the first basic question. What was the reason for you to write this report? Like, what was sort of the light bulb moment to say this is something that we need to write about? Were you drawing your conclusions or was it merely to record facts that sort of struck you as hard or struck you as odd when you looked at this market? It was actually uh, the latter of it. I just found that we have been in the equity market. I personally have been in the equity market for now close to three decades. And we always thought that cash markets are the main markets, right? The cash market sets the tone for the prices for the rest of the financial market. What I was surprised to note that uh, the cash market in India had become a smaller and smaller part of the total volumes that were being transacted. When I was looking at results from broking companies, exchange turnovers, revenues, they were showing very strong growth. That led me to start looking at what was driving this. And that's when I think we saw that uh, the option market in India had taken really a life of its own. As I say in the report, I believe this is more gamification rather than investing. So when you say taken a life of its own, what are some of the facts and figures that really sort of shocked you? A derivative, whether it's a future or, or an option, is a contract that derives its value from an underlying asset. In this case, it's the equity market stock price of an individual company or the price at which the index is trading. But I observed that over the period of time, the option market 
view a few years ago, it used to be about five times the volume of the cash market. Today, it is 400 times the volume of the cash market. So I think the disconnect was uh, very surprising to me because uh, if you are trying to hedge a risk, right? so you, let's say, put option because you are worried that the market is going to fall and I've got this whole portfolio which I need to protect. So the option has to have some connect with uh, your underlying exposure. But uh, what we found was that the cash market and uh, the derivative and in particular the option market were getting increasingly disconnected. Ashish, you must have observed other markets as well uh, for this report. What were your comparisons to maybe a developed market which is far more experienced and had FNO for much longer in the options trade with much more experienced traders as well? Yeah. So actually, uh, what was surprising was that the products that we have in India are not unique to India. But uh, what is really surprising and stands out for India is the volume in the option market relative to the cash market. Right? So most of the markets, the total derivative market volume is uh, 5 to 15 times that of uh, uh, the cash market volume. Right? So what we see in India 400 times is really has no parallel. So what has aided this spurt? I think one of the reasons why market has grown at this pace uh, just in the last two years is we have made it easier and cheaper for people to come in. So the interface that these apps have is uh, makes it a lot easier. The move towards shorter and shorter duration options. So for example, a nifty option, uh, and earlier we only used to have monthly contracts. Uh, so nifty option... Uh, today will cost you more than 20,000 rupees on a monthly contract. And from there, we introduced weekly option. And now we have daily expiry options. And on the same Nifty with a notional value of about 10 lakh rupees, a daily expiry option will cost you less than 2,000 rupees. So the average ticket size is actually coming down. And I think that's been the biggest trigger for this big spurt in options volumes. When you say gamification, um, Ashish, I want to understand that uh, are you implying it's a non-serious or recreational attitude towards the traders that is towards this particular model of trading, which is the options trading? Do you think that is the correct context of derivative trading in India? I primarily mean the options market because the futures, because of the margins and because of yes. the way that is set up, uh, yes. is a different ball game. But just the options yes. market, are you saying yes. that it's then largely a more recreational attitude which is driving these um, volumes? I actually have begun to increasingly think so. And you are right that uh, the futures market is not really the same set of players. And uh, if you see in the overall derivative market, 99% plus volume is actually in the options market. Mm -hmm. If you see the age profile of uh, these investors, that is also very different from uh, what we see the typical age profile of, say, a mutual fund investor or the investor in the cash market. Our, our average investor's age is uh, around uh, 40 years, 41 years for mutual fund, 37 years for cash market traders. In the option market, the average age is, if I correctly, about 28 years. Majority of new Traders who are coming into the options market are actually under the age of 25. And the closest I have is the same demographic. So if you look at uh, online fantasy games, 
the average age there is also 28-29 years. From the academic to the actuals, we decided to take a quick detour to the desk of a trader to understand how the option market is really changing and what makes it so thrilling and what are the risks that are lurking just behind the scenes. I want to start by asking you, how would you categorize yourself? Are you an investor? Are you a trader? Are you a day trader? Like, If you had to put you in a box, uh, what would it be? I'd call myself a trader. For the last 10 years, it's been mostly an options trader. I think the last time I had held a stock in my portfolio was probably 2006 or something. I had, uh, I remember ICICI Bank, I held it for like 15-20 days. Just doesn't suit my mindset to hold something for 15-20 days. I mean, forget about long-term investing. So yeah, if you want to categorize me into something, I will call myself a purely options trader. So before we get into how you got into options trading and why that enticed you the most, for a layman out there, who's wondering what is options trading, how would you break it down for them? See, options are basically derivatives which uh, were created for people to be able to hedge their underlying assets. The purest form options are like insurance schemes. So let's say you buy a car. Now, the reason you buy an insurance along with it is because let's say your car is worth 50 lakhs. If tomorrow you lose it or there's an accident, you might end up spending 20 lakhs, 30 lakhs or maybe even buy a new car. Instead of that, you are giving a small premium to an insurance company. So let's say you are an investor in Nifty. Uh, You are scared that the Nifty might collapse 10% tomorrow and your large portfolio will take a big hit. So you pay a small premium to the option seller who is like the insurance company. So that if something goes wrong, if the market falls, the option seller uh, gives you enough to compensate for your losses in the underlying. So options were designed as uh, hedging products, as insurance products. But as with everything, I mean, see, equities were uh, created so that long-term household savings can be channeled into productive assets, right? But I don't know how many people actually believe in that and how many people actually trade on a daily basis and get in and get out in 5%, 10%. Similarly, options also became really speculative instruments. For example, let's take my case. A large chunk of my capital is invested or used in option strategies. Okay, break that down for us. Because when you say it's invested in option strategy, that is purely on the index options that you're betting whether the index is going to go up or down in a single day. What do you mean by that? So let's say Nifty is at 20,000 and uh, you expect the Nifty to go up 10% in a month for whatever reason. So if you have 20,000 rupees, you can, let's say, buy one Nifty. I'm just making it simple. And if it goes up to 10%, let's say 22,000, you make 2,000 rupees or 10% profit. But what options allow you is Take a directional bet and a 10% move in the index in a month can, because of the leverage that options provide, uh, forget making 10%, you can probably make a million percent. So what is happening today is most people are using options for directional bets, but they were not created for that. But because it is very enticing, it's like, you know, you pay 500 rupees and if it works out, you might make 50,000 rupees by the end of the day. Because ultimately, it's a zero-sum game. It's either you make losses or you make profit. So if it works out, I have seen moves like 10,000 percentage in minutes, forget about hours, in the last few days. But when you say it's a zero-sum game, to a lot of people, it sounds like the downside is limited and the upside is unlimited. See, that's the thing for an option buyer. The downside is limited. The downside is what the premium that you're paying. Like the, the example I gave for a car. 
I mean, the maximum, if you don't have an accident within that financial year or within that year, the maximum you are losing, we don't see it as a loss for a car insurance, but you are basically ending up losing about 20,000 rupees. But it's not that you take that one bet and you forget about it, right? You keep betting and keep betting and the, the exchanges are now, I don't know, I don't know what to use, but having an expiry every day. It's like everyone wants this party to continue, but this can't continue. Just the dynamics, just some of the data points that show up, it's just mind-boggling how the market has changed in the last three, four years. And I shudder to imagine if there is a credit event, something big happens, how this market and how brokers will survive in this kind of a volume. So, so that's what I wanted to ask you. You know, we've been talking to a lot of people about the numbers that have come up, right? Um, yeah. that is on the back end of it the numbers that we see that how much it's gone up by um, how has it changed on the front end for you right I'll give you some examples so I've been trading options since about 2004 let's say about 20 years options were introduced in 2001 or 2 I guess uh, initially basically there was no participation volumes were very low uh, from about 4, 5, 6 it picked up it picked up to a reasonable extent and it was very actively traded and tradable. I mean, volumes were not an issue anymore. So, Nifty was at what? 2000, 2500 those days. MSE had a rule which uh, meant that you had only five strike prices in the money and five strike prices out of the money. So, let's say in today's context, let's say Nifty is at uh, 20,000. The only calls available were 20,050, 20,100, 20,150, 20,200 and 20,250. On the downside, the same, 19,500, 19,900, 19,850, 19,800, 19,750. Imagine somebody trying to trade something on the index and the instrument was not available. From there, we have reached a stage where today on a reasonably volatile day, the volume on an active strike price is about 100 times of the volume of what it used to be about 15 years back for the entire market. Oh, wow. The worrying part is the open interest is not growing. Only the volumes are growing. What does it mean that the volume is growing but the open interest is not? What does that entail? I'll give you an example. Let's say uh, in terms of equities. So, let's say the total free float of a company is 100 shares. On an average, the, com the company shares, let's say the volume is about 20-25. What is happening in options is that the free float is 100 and the intraday volume is about 1 lakh. Let's say Nifty is at 20,000. At 20,000, uh, active option, 20,000 put has an open interest about, let's say, 25 lakh. But on a reasonably active day, volatile day, the volumes might be 50 crores or even 100 crores or even 150 crores. So basically, people are punting Intraday. So let's say pre COVID 2018 19, the total number of contracts that were traded on the NSC was 265 crore number of contracts. Just imagine what is it today for this year? We have completed barely six months. It is 5,000 crore contracts. So 265 wow. for the whole of 18 19. I mean, it's already 20 times in six months this year. All the madness, all the the eye-popping thing is purely in index options. I just don't believe this will sustain. This is unsustainable. Mm. But yeah, it can continue for a few more years. Who knows? And but here's my question. Yeah. You know, if you had to go with the house always wins strategy, the reason why someone would get interested, and I'm sure that is how, you know, like you're saying that your sensibility is someone who doesn't want to hold for very long. They want to get in 
do active yeah. trading get out and uh, you know take take that pot of money sebi says 90% lose money are you the lucky 10% then why are so many people in it if 90% are losing money and i'm assuming that considering you're still actively trading that you're part of the lucky 10% no i don't know for which year the study was made uh, i mean there have been years where i've lost money there have been years where i have made money all i can say is that i'm still standing the market uh, has kicked me out a few times but i am still there the kind of volumes we are seeing with the kind of open interest we have i can't imagine even forget about 90% losing i can't imagine even 5% making money i mean 5% making money as in 5% of the trade traders in options making money impossible i just i can't imagine that happening i don't know i mean it, it might sound uh, alarmist i mean since the option volumes have picked up the market really hasn't seen any serious volatility and i'm sure yeah. the first sign of volatility where you lose let's say 10% in 2 3 days you will uh, half of these guys getting wiped out has the access and the cost such low cost and the easy access been a big uh, sort of entry invitation as well to many more and have you seen that the access and the cost changing dramatically in the options market over the last 5 years see taxes have gone up only taxes haven't uh, gone down so that's one the only thing that has gone down is uh, brokerage rates the cheaper brokerage rates have become the more active people have become so let's say when i used to pay brokerage as a percentage let's say even 10 years back or 15 years back i used to trade much less than what i am doing today so let's say per contract i might have paid 50 rupees a few years back and i might have actually traded only five contracts paying 250 rupees and today per trade i am paying 20 rupees but i might be ending up trading 30 uh trades and paying 600 rupees a few years back till let's say 10 15 years back how much brokerage will go into this trade or how much will brokerage cost me into a particular trade used to be something at the back of my mind all the time now i don't this <laughs> 20 rupees so yeah you end up losing sight of that although the rates have come down the ticket size of the brokerage that active traders are paying must have gone up so discount broking has played its role in making the satta culture surge but the regulation and access has also paved the way for more excitement earlier option traders used to focus only on thursdays as being the weekly option expiry day or the zero day and that was for two key indices nifty and bank nifty but now every day is expiry day monday is the bse bankex as well as the midcap select for nifty tuesday is the fin nifty wednesday is bank nifty thursday the main nifty index and friday is for sensex now there's even talk of extending the hours for option trading so i had to turn to ashish and ask him if this all is making his life harder as a cio to complete with fancier fast moving trading terminals thankfully not yet i think as i said because the fndo market and the options market and the cash market has been so disconnected we haven't really seen an impact on our portfolios or the way we run our business what worries me is anupriya uh, primarily two things one is what is uh, the tail risk if the derivative markets becomes so much larger if there is a fallout at some point of time in that market how will it affect the overall financial ecosystem and cash market right and even if that does not happen i want people to have a good profitable investing journey unfortunately 
if a youngster start out with the options market and with their experience of losses, I don't think we will be building culture of investing in the country, right? It will kind of scar their experience. It will kind of uh, take them even longer to come to, say, a more sustainable form of investing. So we want the younger generation to start saving early, start investing early and have a good experience of building their wealth. In today's day and age, Ashish, where you're saying that the younger lot are coming in and their mass influence is also coming in from social media. Uh, do you think there is a need for more stricter vigilance, especially on the option side where the interest is rising far ahead of what the returns are and the risk is outweighing it phenomenally? I don't think there is much more that regulators can actually do and control. Online is a free world, very difficult to kind of straightjacket it. But there is certainly more that can be done in terms of uh, making sure that only sophisticated investors have access to this market. So you make access to the market more deterministic other than easy to access. So if you have, uh, let's say, theoretically, you want to have shorter duration option, you increase the minimum lot size, right? So that ticket size of the option doesn't come down. And once you do that, I think you will kind of get to a smaller set of these traders and I think some of these casual gamification trading will go away. Otherwise, I think uh, media controls, advertising controls, I don't think that is uh, going to help to solve this problem. Again, uh, going back to my example of the cigarette industry, right? They have not been allowed to advertise or the alcohol industry has not been allowed to advertise. That's not really curbed its usage. Well said, Ashish. This comes from the contrarian belt. After your report was released, there was quite a bit of chatter all over social media as well on it. And you had a few, I must say, people who spoke also not just about gamification equities and pointed fingers and say, what about the concentration in mutual funds? There are X number of fund houses and X number of yes. uh, you know funds out there plus schemes. And they're all investing in a very small pool of stocks. So your risk levels stay the same. How would you sure. respond to that? I think we are all very cognizant about risk levels. I think this is something that is uh, controlled both internally at the EMC level as well as uh, the regulator has a frequent oversight of it as well. Liquidity and concentration is looked through multiple lenses. The rules of gains are actually very well crystallized here. Increasingly, we have found that the tenor of investors coming in mutual fund is going up. Because most of the investors are now coming into the mutual fund through the SIP route. So if you look at the data for last two years, almost 100% of net inflows into the mutual fund have come to the SIP route. So I think investors are making actually asset allocation decisions here, not just uh, trying to time the market. And that means that persistency of money coming in is actually even better. My firm belief is that the longer the persistency, the more favorable investing outcomes you will get. Options was meant as a method to reduce risk. But as the numbers are displaying, the balls and risks court. Even though there is no dramatic risk being displayed, the volumes are definitely worrying. Algo trading took the world by storm a decade ago. And now one has to wonder if in an era of bots and AI, if the same will happen to the options market 
and trap the unsuspecting traders, most of whom are coming in from smaller towns. Speculation always returns to the street if SEBI, the market regulator, will step in, regulating entry into the options market, possibly making it for accredited investors only, or possibly a push to make it unviable by North Block to increase the tax burden, making it a costlier affair. But till then, for those in the arena of options, it continues to be game on. With that, it's a wrap on this episode of Satta Search, how cheap options can turn very costly on the morning brief. From me, your host Anupriya Nair and the team that put this together, Amit Regi on sound and Sumit Pandey on production, thank you for listening in. The Morning Brief drops every Tuesday, Thursday and Friday and follow us on the podcast platform of your choice to not miss an episode. Thank you for listening in. Have a great day.